0: Hi and welcome to Forest of the Future, the podcast series where we look into how innovation in FSC can help save our forests. Because we all know that forests play a key role in combating climate change and the biodiversity crisis that we're facing. In this series, we explore how innovation, especially within tech tools, but also more broadly, can help us protect forests and support the mission of FSC, which is to ensure responsible management of our forests worldwide. In this episode, we will wrap up our focus on the new FSC global strategy. In the last three episodes, we focused on the digitalization and data behind FSC, on FSC and co-creation, and on why smallholders, indigenous peoples, and communities will be so fundamental to achieving our long-term mission and the success of the strategy overall. Today, we look at the strategy as a whole. What has the involvement been since the last strategy? What will be fundamental pieces to get right in order to achieve success? How will we monitor the progress of the strategy? And what keeps the FSC Board of Directors up at night? To help me answer those questions, I have three guests today. Alan Thorne, Mauro Amelin and Sandra Martinez. All of them are part of the FSC International Board of Directors and together they formed a committee of board members behind the development of the strategy so they really know the nuts and bolts of this thing. I had all three of them on the same call simultaneously and as you might imagine, this did put a strain on the internet connectivity and sound levels at times. But I'm sure you're used to that by now with all of the online meetings that all of us are enduring these days. And luckily, their points did not get lost in internet instability and people forgetting to muting their mics. So let's dive straight into that interview. I started out by asking Alan Thorne or Al as he prefers to be called about the long term vision of FSC. Here's what he said. Hi, all three of you and and welcome to the podcast. I'd like to start actually from the vision of FSC because the new strategy has a 2050 vision for our role as an organization and for building resilient forests. Could you tell us a bit more about what that vision is?
1: As far as the vision goes, it should be familiar to folks familiar with FSC. The vision really hasn't changed with this updated strategy. And that really speaks to the true value of forests. And for us, the true value of forests is something for everyone in all chambers and society as a whole. It's the home for many people, and of course, indigenous peoples who live and depend on these forests. It's a source of responsibly produced forest products, which help with their overall sustainability goals And then, of course, when it comes to environmental values, we're now starting to see a greater recognition of the role of forests in combating climate change and reversing the disturbing trend of biodiversity loss. So with regard to the uh, topic of a resilient forest, that's one I know we're personally quite excited about because resilient forests take our previous concept of protecting forests, which usually is a pretty straightforward or binary type discussion. Should humans be present and doing things in forests or not? There are clearly places in the world and certain forest types where keeping people away from commercial activities is best for that forest. But there's many forest types globally where the effects of just keeping people away may not result in a resilient forest. For those people, especially living in the Pacific Northwest of North America, we've witnessed some nasty fires over recent years. Australia and the concept of resilient forest is working with nature and understanding that uh, there's some things we can do to increase the probability of keeping those forests in a good solid ecological state and sometimes human activities can actually make that better so it really increases the toolbox as we like to call it where a resilient forest will be a, a good combination based on local approaches, protecting forests from commercial activity, conserving forests with some level of activity, where the primary goal is the overall conservation of the area, normal forest practices and forest management activities, and of course restoration, and doing that of course with local people and especially Indigenous people who have the greatest knowledge on the territories where they live.
0: So- I'd like actually to dive a bit into this whole true value of forests. So what do we mean when we say we want society as a whole to realize the true value of forests?
1: The true value of forests to me is that the fact that the forests are there has a huge value to not only the local area, but the globe as a, as a whole in protecting biodiversity is in probably being our number one defense against uh, human-caused climate change. Sources of employment and well-being, spiritual well-being, oftentimes we would look at forests as something in the way for other development causes. And now we're starting to learn that the forests themselves have huge value. It may not always be measured in dollars and cents, but it has a whole pile of other values that we're quickly learning. Mark? yes i, I think uh, this this this
2: topic make uh, the strategy a little bit different because it's not more regarding as i said in nectar's but it's uh, we we have the mission and the opportunity here to give the opportunity to society to recognize forests as an important natural asset and and this is natural asset is not only regarding wood but it's to storing carbon producing fresh water and conserving biodiversity. Uh, In summary, uh, I think this could be a big proxy for climate issues and having the society aware about that, it's very important for us and it's very important for FSC. I think this is completely linked with our mission.
0: Mm-hmm. Sandra, I'd actually like to move to you because I've, I've been around FSC for quite a while, 15 years, actually, if not more, and I've seen my fair share of FC strategies over the years. What do you think makes this one different?
3: We tend to think that something because it's different is going to make um, a difference. I think this strategy, what is trying to do is to ensure that the vision that was defined in the last strategy gives continuation. So we are given time in order to ensure that we will achieve the goals we have set. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: What I hear you saying
0: is that the biggest difference is actually that there's not that big a difference, that we're allowing ourselves a continuation. Am I understanding you right there?
3: We are building on the past in order to make sure that we achieve this goal that we have set up. Maybe I'm so conservative in this way because I think also based on my experience in this system, we have always created a lot of expectations and we haven't been able to deliver on that. So we want to make sure that what we have started and that we were not able to achieve in the last strategy, we want to make sure that now with experience over the 25 years of existence of the FSC, that we are going to be able to make sure that we prove the impact of the, of the organization on the ground. So that is why I, I said different in the essence of the document. Yes, there are some elements there which are complementary, I would say, instead of saying so different.
0: Mm-hmm. So what are then the complementary parts? What is the development then?
3: I think the development on this process is basically the, the goal, which is talking about the uh, importance of smallholders and indigenous peoples on tropical forests, which is a, has been a challenge within the organization. So this time we are really putting a huge effort and a huge importance and um, emphasis in this process. From my perspective from the social South, this is so important because we need to make sure that within this uh, whole dynamics of working at the international level, we need to make sure that this comes down to the local and then the force of the markets in the North are able to push also the markets in the South and that 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 really takes seriously this issue which is not um, an easy challenge but we if we don't go into that we, we will be failing basically from my perspective mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. you're breaking up a little bit but i easily gather from your answer that one of the big developments is really the strong focus on indigenous people and smallholders especially in, in the global south mauro would you agree is that the most important development for you as well i,
2: I think this is it's a very important but the the main difference for me i think it's the the approach to build this strategy was different i took part of the construction of the first strategic plan and being the first we use a more how to say conventional approach for its elaboration and this is completely changed the approach to build a, a, a strategy i think we have more here The idea to be more flexible because have this kind of five years planning, it's very difficult right now because everything changing in three months. And I think this flexibility being in the root of this global strategic plan, it's very important for us because we need to encourage the innovation that always appears among our members. And this is, it's it expresses in the idea of a co-creation. We need to strengthen the partnerships and, and be very flexible and very fast to change the partnership or to change the partner, if we want, to achieve that result. And I think this kind of flexibility or this kind of a mindset since the year one, it's very important for the situation and the context. We we in right now.
0: Very interesting. Al, is that the most important development for you as well?
1: I would just build on what uh, Moro and Zondra have said, and I'll try to be a little bit more specific because I agree with a lot of the basis of this is a continuation and building on the strength of the the initial global strategic plan uh, a couple of key elements so i would like to highlight for people to try and really make this uh, pop is over the last five years we put a lot of energy as FSE in getting the people and the resources in place to deliver so we have a very leading edge integrity program now with some very clever people working on leading edge technology to really help us address illegal logging and poorly sourced fiber. We have some extremely strong department people in our marketing department now. And I think that's a big difference over the last five years is really getting those folks in place and, and having their tools so Over the next five years, I really look to see and hope to see actual results. Now, I think we're set up to actually deliver and execute and do things that people want us to see get done. And one key difference, I would think, in this plan is in strategy three, which is about forging partnerships with like-minded organizations. That's a big jump for FSC. We tended not to want to do that in the past as much as we probably should have. And now with our desire to partner with other folks and other organizations who are doing very good work, it could make us way more nimble. We could get results a lot quicker and actually deliver value for our members, because they'll see they can get these results a lot more efficiently.
0: Do you see that partnership building as something completely new or something that you've already seen sort of creep into the organization and now just embedded into the strategy as well?
1: Probably more creeping into the organization. I'm in my sixth and final year on the board right now. And what I heard in the first couple of years, whenever topics of, hey, maybe we can think about partnering with organization X, Y, or Z, there was a real reluctance to even think about it. But now when we raise that very same topic, people are saying, well, they are doing good work and why would we reinvent the wheel? So there is a nice evolution there. And I really think we can go from a creep into the organization to a walk with the organization now.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I-, I agree and I can mention one example here. Because at the beginning, I was completely afraid to make partnership with government. And, uh, well, w- we assume a risk and make a partnership with government in Africa. And I think this is, could go well. And, and because government is different around the world. And is not regarding only to the country or to the continent. But uh, maybe with the next governors or president of that country could not work. But right now it works and uh, we need to assume some risks in, in regarding on partnerships because it's a different vision and a, maybe a different way to do something. But it's important to, to assume some risks and to boost our results.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. um, this is a way many national offices have been working with. And fortunately, some other national offices didn't have the vision of doing that. And I think uh, that is why we, in a way, we face a pressure to increase the level of partnerships because I have to be very honest and clear here. And also this is my personal view. That is why in some countries, especially in the South, we were not able to really uh, move things faster because, and maybe this is also related to the general or to the lack of clarity at the international level in terms of a strategy that we thought that alone we could have done everything. But this is also, as I'll say, this is part of a mindset and also part of a culture inside of the organization that needs to change that some national offices were very good in developing as partnerships and this should become a part of the culture of the organization we cannot do everything alone we have to collaborate and we need to be able to identify the opportunities to achieve our mission
0: Completely. And I get, it's also part of the UN SDG. There's a reason why it's, it's number 17 It's because we are much stronger together. So now we've been talking a lot about what's different or what's the development, what you're, what you like in the new strategy. Is there something that actually keeps you up at night? Al you're smiling. So I'm going with you first. <laughs>
1: Actually, it's interesting. We did a webinar about a month or so ago, and I was asked that very same question. And to be honest, it still is in my brain a little bit. What keeps me awake at night is the lack of courage that may still be out there. We are facing some really complicated topics right now within FSC, and the temptation is always not to try something because we know it's complicated. And there's a good chance we may not get it entirely right, but we have to try. We have topics like conversion, policy for association, restoration, carbon, all these things that are very, very hard. When I started in forestry, the issue was how much of a buffer should you leave on water courses? That's relatively easy. (laughs) So we were able to do a lot of that good work early, but now we're facing some of the really hard ones. Our core strength is collaboration and co creation, which means sitting down with people of different viewpoints, listening to each other, and really pounding out an approach that just might work. And we usually find that we actually have more in common when we do listen to each other than we initially thought. But to me, we need to take that courage and understand that we may not get it completely right. But that's all right, because in a few years' time, we may be able to adjust the decision we made and make it even better again. I had an old boss a long time ago that said to me, making a wrong decision or not the best decision is better than making no decision. So if I had something that made me lose more hair, it would be our lack of courage to take some of these tough decisions and learn from them
0: hmm Very interesting point. Sandra, do you agree? Is that what keeps you up at night as well, or is it something different?
3: In part, I, I agree with Al. But sometimes we want to see success as something which is so big. And then in order to prove the relevance of FSC, we need to have huge partnership with the biggest companies and things like that. And I th- think that sometimes we don't need to do that that we need to be able to work in small steps that can build a, a big process. And especially with the social issues, I'm really, I'm really concerned sometimes that, and when we talk about indigenous peoples, communities, small holders, we always tend to think that we need to have a huge market or we need to have huge strategies on that and social issues related to those groups or in general to, to forest with those groups, they need time and we need to have a stepwise approach and to understand that uh, partnerships with those groups needs time and the success can be big if we have some patience, some clarity and some uh, strategy that can say to us, okay, we know that we have achieve something important in this level with these key or strategic countries. And we know that we need to have some time in order to develop the next step. But while we are working here, we need to start building and preparing this path in order for them to be ready to go there. And start really creating this collaboration even within the FSC network, the national offices are completely different, but how do we create these collaborations that help us to really move faster in the long term? So for me, these are the two elements, yes, courage to make the decisions, but also how do we prove that we are really making a difference in, in areas where we can see an easy or taste a a fast result.
0: Mm -hmm. So
3: courage, moving faster and enabling stepwise approaches
0: and building bridges. Mauro, do you have other stuff that keeps you up at night?
2: For me, it's the, the outcome. It's how to keep FSC relevant or to make FSC relevant and recognized by the society as a very important tool to conserve forests, to make tropical forest economical, to make companies and also small holders and communities happy to conserve forest in terms of production and conservation. And I think this is very important because for me the main mission of this strategy is change FSC for a tool from just a a certification for a wood or non-timber forest product for something completely new, completely indispensable on the the life of people. And I think this is the main challenge we're facing and what we try to to deliver with this new strategy here right now. And, well, if it not happens, I will be very frustrated in some years. (laughs)
0: Could you put a bit more words to that for people who potentially haven't read the strategy? So what do you mean when you say we should move from just being a certification tool to being something that's indispensable in people's life?
2: Well, we, now we have a, a scheme, a very successful scheme. I think it is the, the biggest in the world. We certified properties. We cert, just certified properties. And the idea here in this, this strategy, we have the concept with a landscape approach. And the landscape Mm -hmm. approach is not more regarding just a, a forest here or a forest there in that property. But using the concept of sustainable development, using the concept with our 25 years of history and lessons learned that we have, we can move from this idea to sustainable forest management to sustainable landscape management and, how to say, contaminate the other sectors and using uh, what what we learned about uh, production, uh, forest productions for the grains, for soybean, for cattle ranching and working all together because a forest and, and a property with forest here, the neighborhood have cattle, have soybean, have other cultures, agribusiness culture. And we need to change their mindset also. I think this could be a difference and could have the the conditions to change the FSC, not just for forests, but FSC uh, steering the land or the landscape in a broad view.
0: Mm -hmm. I think we may have to dive even deeper there because if you haven't read the strategy, if you haven't really paid attention to the discussions here, that sounds like that you're looking for FSC to move into certification of other commodities as well. And I'm not assuming that's actually your intention.
2: I think this for sure is not our intention. Mm -hmm. But uh, we can use what we learned to, to change other opinions also. Because what FSC did on the last uh, 20 years was change the concept about forest management is not a destructive action. Mm -hmm. It's the opposite. It's a conservative action. And what we can help others it's, okay, you have a land. You don't need to clear cut all the land to, to make money with that. You can produce wood. You can produce water. You can produce soybean or cattle ranching. And this is the idea about the landscape approach. It's not just focus on the property here, but Mm -hmm. to try to spray the idea of sustainable development for the neighbors and maybe certify the landscape as a forest friend landscape. Mm It could be possible, but we need to have a a
1: lot of courage to take this step. Mm
0: Al, you look like somebody who wants to chip in here.
1: Yeah, I just want to build on what Morrow has indicated what we are learning now from people who have been in the system for a while and actually society in general is just telling them that we're certified isn't enough. Mm -hmm. It had a novel impact early in the days, but after all these years, it's not enough. We need to tell our story. We need to tell the real impacts that are being made on the ground that make a difference for people and that's kind of what i was trying to suggest earlier with putting a lot of infrastructure in place these last five years collecting that information even in a way that we can analyze it most of our information was in paper form and how can you query a database that's in paper form so now we're going to tell our story going forward a lot better so if people want to know the impact we're having on communities in a certain region we should be able to tell that What difference are we making on certain endangered species? How can we do that? And related to that, people want us to scale up our impact. So working in certified areas is good. Uh, We're just over 200 million hectares, whatever that means, but it still means there's a lot of forest that's not certified. So in the strategy we talk about, as Morrow has indicated, working outside of management units, the key part here, so that people don't get afraid, is that where there is a will, mm-hmm. because many organizations, government, NGOs, industry say, boy, we're doing some good things in our management unit. Some distance down the road, other organizations are doing good things. And in between, we have a third group that says, Wow, you guys are doing some good stuff. Is there a way we can get together and really scale up our impact? I work in the north in Canada, and I have seen some amazing examples of exactly that, where suddenly millions of hectares are now being scaled up as far as impact for people getting together, basically saying, Hey, you're doing some good things. Can we mirror that here? When there's a will and some real value and benefit for people, we can do great things. The key there is not to spread ourselves too thin. People are really busy. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we can actually have a much better impact with willing partners in a short amount of time and and actually deliver a result that saves you time down the road.
0: Does all of this also come down to looking into new tools like certification of degraded forest areas or protection standard or other sorts of tools in the toolbox or how do you see this play out in connection to landscapes
2: I think you mentioned a key point here forest recovery or forest regeneration it's a huge space for FSC to act on that and we have the expertise we have the knowledge to how to do it and we we don't need to to develop a kind of a new methodology to recover forests but we need to, to develop a way to look to that reforestation and a way to guarantee that it's doing in a good way, in a good sense, to guarantee the forest service or the ecological service as a natural forest and respect social issues and be adequate for that area. And FSC could deliver this kind of a certification. I think this is mm-hmm. very important for us, and it's a very key component on this strategy right now.
0: All of this is really interesting for me, who's been around for so long. And I actually picked up on some of the stuff when we talk about what keeps you up at night, which is really this having the courage to make some of the difficult decisions in an FSE organization where... We gather a lot of different interests. We have a lot of different opinions. And in you as a board were successful in creating a strategy and within that membership, which sometimes can get pretty tense because they don't necessarily agree on what we should do or not do. So how did you succeed in doing that? And, and did you learn something here that we could copy into other
3: processes? I think, Loa, we really, as a team, have a lot of conversations with the Secretariat on the importance of making sure that we were able to run a proper process of consultations. We were able to run quite an important amount of webinars. We didn't call them webinars, we called them dialogues, because we wanted to create a little bit more of discussions, and we had two sets of surveys. Consultations processes. The process was also supported by previous work done by external people. So we didn't go into the information just by hearing. We had a lot of backup information done by professional consultants outside of FSC which were able to give us clarity on the tendencies and also data that was very useful for us to decide on what were the main directions that we should ask the membership to consider. So that was very important. So Mm Al, if you want to Mm -hmm. comment.
1: In any process, it has to be very clear what the scope of this particular project is, which implies what is out of scope so I think for us, one of the things that helped us succeed is it was pretty clear what it was we were trying to do and what problem we were trying to solve or what opportunity we were trying to capitalize on. So make sure that's crystal clear to people what it is we're trying to do and what desired outcome we want to do. And I think the second thing that helped us, because you're right, we have 10% of the members that are are very active, and we're extremely grateful because we learn a lot from those folks, but we also have to listen to the 90% that don't tell us much, and that's not as easy. So the second thing I think that helped us in this process is instead of just saying, hey, we had three webinars, two consultations, and something else, and try and force people hey we listen to you we actually took an extra step that after the consultations we put a summary document together that said here's what we think we've heard and here's what we've decided to do with that information and sent that back to those that did contribute so they can really see what we did now with over literally 3,000 comments you didn't get a specific response in all 3,000 but at least given feedback to people that said We did spend time considering what you've done with what we were able to do with your feedback. And here's the direction uh, we're going ahead with. And it was a way of us trying to show respect to those that gave us their time.
0: And I'd actually like for us to step back a bit and and talk a bit about the the overarching goal of the strategy, which you also mentioned earlier, Al, which is the 300 million hectares. Uh, And... I mean, we're at 220 million hectares now. We've had 25 years to reach that, and now in five years, we're supposed to grow 80 million hectares additional, uh, which for me is quite ambitious. So if I'm to ask you, what will be most important for us to actually achieve that growth? Like, What are the three most important pieces of that puzzle?
1: Okay, well, the first important piece to me is the goal of certified hectares is not really the goal, it's the outcome. We think we can get there while protecting our integrity and our credibility, because that's not up for negotiation. And it's largely based on the last five years of getting things in place, getting our resources and our our skilled staff in place, uh, getting a number of our important policies and FM standards in place. And now it's time to deliver Uh, We have engaged network to see what they think they can do in their regions, and the number is dependable. So we think the number is real, but it's more of an outcome of doing the right thing, because we have heard very strong in our feedback that, hey, if you want to go for more volume, are you prepared to sacrifice your credibility and integrity? Which is the answer, of course, is absolutely not. That is paramount for us. This is a long game. This is not about uh, some short term uh, volume number. So we have all the building blocks in place now. We need to be able to look our environment chamber friends in the eye and say, hey, look, we are making a difference on these endangered species. We are maintaining and creating resilient forests. For our workers out there, we can look them in the eye and say, hey, look, we recently passed our uh, chain of custody ILO indicators. This is a huge step in the right direction. Build credibility with them and, of course, with communities. And then for our industry friends is give them the values that says, uh, hey, look, yes, being certified is great. But here's how we can help you communicate the real difference you're making to help you with your customers and your overall corporate social responsibility.
0: And I actually liked you to be a bit more specific. <laughs> yes, that was a very lofty answer. <laughs> so, so what? So uh, more tangibly, what do we need to get right to make that growth possible?
1: Well, I think it's, uh, it's it's a great question. So what do we have to do? We have to deliver. We have to execute. We have to. Work with those companies that have been on the fence that says, I'm not sure if I want to get into FSC. We need to sit with them, tell them the difference we're going to make, work with them to say, here's the difference we're going to make to help you with your issues. Here's the value proposition. And to help you do that, we sit with environment organizations and and the small communities and the smallholders and the indigenous peoples and say, here's the difference we're going to make For you, do you have these concerns in your region? And this has to be delivered, not from head office, largely. It has to be delivered locally where the expertise is. We need to support these local regions to deliver. And I think once people get comfortable seeing that, oh, you're actually serious about helping us with this particular challenge and convince them and bring in people that have succeeded as role models and say, hey, look, we're actually here to help you and help you with your issues and deliver. I think we now have the, the tools to do that. We have standards in most countries now that are modernized. We have all these tools, and now we just got to deliver and execute and not take 5, 10 years to get things done.
0: Mm -hmm. I'd actually like to return to you, Mauro, because I think this also really ties in with what you were saying about partnerships and partnerships being, I assume you would say fundamental for enabling growth. Which kind of partnerships would you see be most important for us to enable that growth?
2: First, I think we need to give the clear idea for the forest owners FSC could help. And we need to have this partnership with that. And I mean by forest owners, in terms of tropical forest, indigenous people, traditional communities and smallholders and also governments. Because here in the, my part of the world, the government owns the most part of the Amazon forest. And uh, we need to convince them to, to establish good concessions, forest concessions, in good terms of our production and also conservation. And I think the partnership is key for us. But to establish that partnership, we need to create this environment uh, when FSC is key for them. And we need to convince them FSC could help. A partnership, it's good when all people uh, gain with that partnership. And uh, it's not only FSC, we will stamp their their logo and finish. But our partner needs to have some goods from that partnership and we need to start to think with their heads also to see Mm -hmm. what is the most important for them and how FSC could provide it.
0: I I strongly agree and and Sandra actually I'd like to to turn to you because we're talking in the strategy not just about hectares but also the impact of hectares, hectares with meaning I think it says and there are really specific uh, targets for example the growth that we have to see within for example smallholders so one thing is that we have to Go from 220 million hectares certified to 300 million hectares, but we also have to more than double the amount of smallholder and community forest and Indigenous people territories being certified. How do you see us doing that? How do you see us unlocking that partnership and that value creation for smallholders and communities and Indigenous people in such a short period of time?
3: If we don't work for markets in the south, we will not achieve that. That's for sure. So we can't really ask communities to wait 25 years more to see if they can get some benefit of FSC in the economic area. We can wait more. And this is a tendency. If FSC, and I'm, when I talk about FSC is not just the international center or one region or one office, if we all as members, we can really work towards that, we will not be able to continue with that. That is one. And the other is, I wanted to say also about the relevance in a partnership. We want to create relevance for them, for the society. And I think this is important. We want to partner with with some organizations, yes, but also more than that, we want to be relevant. And by being relevant, we need to prove that communities, smallholders, they have an economic benefit. I think it's We are not anymore in the years when communities were asking for things to give them to them. Now communities are very well empowered. They want to be seen as partners. This is important. So it is basically markets. We need to be able, we have standards, we have processes, we have everything there, but we need to go to the next step. We need to provide markets. And we need to really make sure that the partnerships that are able to be developed in the north can also have an impact in in the south. And there are plenty of a big companies ready to partner with other countries and to be able to support and to contribute to the development of markets at the different countries. So this is something that we need to do. And we need to we need to move into the future of how we need to communicate about FSC and ensure that FSC is really giving added value to those companies who are already committed to FSC's mission.
0: Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. It's also very much in prolonging of what Vera Santras, the program manager for new approaches told me in my podcast interview with her, which is really that we have all the elements. We have a stepwise approach to certification. We have a more risk-based standard for them to now follow. Um, But that we also really need in the strategy to have these pillars to talk about market building and market linkage and that we really need to have those two hand in hand. For us to be successful. And actually, that could be a good transition into the next because we've been talking about moving away from being a rule-based system for quite a while. We also talked about that a lot in the last strategy where we talked about these risk-based approaches. And I think it's it's probably fair to say that, at least from when you're not inside the international secretariat, that. We haven't been that successful in really achieving that goal. We're still really rule-based. It's still a box of the standard that that you have to fit into. And I'd like actually to start with you, Al, but I'd like to hear from two others as well. How do we achieve moving away from being just, these are the rules, into this is the impact that we actually want to achieve?
1: That's a great question because I've heard that as long as I've been in forestry, which was a long time, even before certification came everybody will look you in the eye and say, we want fewer rules and be more results oriented. The next day they go into a room and they add more rules. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) that's just been my experience. And, but also I think people will revert to asking for more rules versus trust in more results when there is a lack of trust and, uh, lack of trust will lead to more rules. And I do sense now, being optimistic, that as we continue with the partnerships, as Morrow very well explained, especially with governments, my goodness, uh, we have to find those governments that are willing partners. They control, I think, over 70% of forest globally. So we need to come to them with solutions to their issues and then as we build the trust and as we forge these partnerships uh, there's other partnerships with i think as an example in the u.s there's uh, some really good work going on with contractor training and and things like that there's organizations building standards around carbon and uh, restoration approaches as we build the partnerships hopefully with these groups we build the trust that says we've got the right people at the table. They're representing all the right views. And now let's focus on the outcome. Mm -hmm. And I really do hope that in the years to come that we will start seeing fewer indicators. Uh, The strategy actually speaks uh, quite strongly about streamlining and streamlining to me, again, there's some trust issues. People say, hey, what's streamlining, Al? Are you trying to cut corners? No, it's integrity and credibility of our system remain priorities one and two and three. We're not cutting anything there. Streamlining is about getting rid of redundant and unnecessary paperwork and process without reducing our desired outcome. There's so many areas that I've heard people say, "Yeah, oh, these people could easily be certified today. And then we mm-hmm. would say, why not? Why are they not certified? And that's what we got to tackle. So, as we get this momentum, I really hope that we will actually reduce the numbers of indicators and process like things. But it, to me, the key is building that trust. And you build the trust by delivering the results that people want to see.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to ask all of you something that I know is important to you guys, which is basically. When you create a strategy or any strategic document, really, there's always this lovely process, you make plans, et cetera, and then you finalize it, and then it... Runs a pretty high risk of just being put into a drawer on somebody's desk, and then you pick it up once a year to evaluate the impact, and that's about it. How do we make sure that this strategy becomes a living document and that it actually gets truly embedded into the organization and and how we work?
1: That's been my fear, too, and I've been involved in too many other strategy documents that end up in drawers or shelves, and you dust them off, maybe. But I think we anticipated that, and there's a couple of things that will make sure this thing remains functional. And again, when we wrote this, the intent was that people will actually use it to make their lives easier and deliver better results. So we focused on 24 desired outcomes and we didn't get it to the KPI level that many wanted us to do. Believe me, they were pushing really hard. But what we heard was a lesson learned from the first global strategic plan where they did do indicator levels that they quickly became irrelevant within a week. So a lot of effort went into developing it and only to have it become irrelevant. So what we said was, let's bring it up a level to 24 desired outcomes. And then we would develop with the secretary or an operating plan that's meant to be evolved and adjusted as needed. It wouldn't necessarily be only an annual plan, but it's meant to look at over the life of the strategy itself. This is meant to be one operating plan that basically tells everybody here's what's important to us these next five years. And which by default kind of suggests what's maybe important, but not for now, because Mm. everybody wants us to do everything all the time, which of course we cannot. So the intent here is to have one functional approach that makes sense to people. Because if it was meant to stick on a shelf or in somebody's drawer, I would hate to think we just wasted two and a half years of our life doing
0: that. I have one last question for the three of you before we wrap up. I'd actually like to ask you if you think ahead, if you think five years ahead and if I come back to you and ask what was the single most important thing that happened on the basis of this strategy? What had the most impact? What made you most proud? What worked the best? What do you hope to be able to reply? Sandra?
3: For me, it will be we have grown the local markets and we have proved that there is an economic value for communities and indigenous peoples in investing in FSE. Al?
1: For me, it'll be being able to tell people the difference we made in language that makes sense to them. It's on the topics that make the most difference to them, regardless of their viewpoint. But being able to tell our story and uh, show a greater impact as big as we can make it.
0: Mm -hmm. Mara?
2: I think tropical forest certification is part of the main mission of FSC since the, the creation. And I think also uh, new schemes for certification of uh, forest regeneration and recovery. It's one of the biggest demands from the society. And I think it could be our main legacy of this strategy.
0: Thank you very much, all three of you. I really. Do hope that you're right if we do manage to pull off all of what you've said on co-creation on developing new tools and monitoring our impact i'm sure we will be quite the force to reckon with in five years time thank you all for humoring me and participating in this interview thanks, thanks so and while thanks they all Laura, say Laura. goodbyes and thank yous i'll wrap up here with you guys I truly hope that Al and Maros and Sandra's hopes and dreams for the next five years in FSC come true and that we're able to unlock the power of data to prove our impact, to forge partnerships, to engage smallholders and communities and indigenous people and to develop new solutions for forest protection and forest restoration. With this, we wrap up our series on the FSC Global Strategy and we'll instead return to our focus on some of the new tools within FSC, So if you're interested in blockchain or digital audit reporting or the integrity within FSC, you should keep an eye out for the upcoming episodes. Until then, if you want to get in touch with us or follow our work, I encourage you to join our LinkedIn group. It's called FSC Digital Innovation and it's open for everyone. You can also always get in touch with me on digitalinput at fsc.org. I'm Laura Worm and this was Forest for the Future.